Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Great music comes in many diverse styles, and this weekend in Atlanta, classic rock meets classical, with R.E.M.'s Mike Mills performing his concerto for violin, rock band, and orchestra, alongside the renowned violinist Robert McDuffie and the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. Later this hour, we'll hear from Mike Mills and Bobby McDuffie about their excitement working together and creating music unbound by categories. First... Atlanta's LGBTQ Film Festival, Out on Film, is underway through October 2nd. There are a total of 143 films representing 27 countries at this year's festival. Among them, and most outstanding, are New Moon and North Star, two short films with Emmy Award-winning actor, director, playwright, and writer Coleman Domingo. He is also being honored by Out on Film with the Icon Award. Coleman Domingo joins me now via Zoom. Welcome back to City Lights. Oh, it's so good to be back here with you. So good. Thank you. I feel like... I'm in Hello, Dolly, and it's so nice to have you back where you belong, Coleman. <laughs> I love a good Hello, Dolly reference. Uh, my, mu- my musical theater heart is just you know, <laughs> fluttering right now. <laughs> uh, well, you, you've graced that. And actually, the last time we spoke was in 2020 after the release of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. Before that, your addition to musical theater with that marvelous tribute to Nat King Cole, yeah. which I believe was in 2019, yes. Lights Out. Yes, Lights Out, Nat King Cole, yes. Yeah, and then the pandemic really made the lights go out. Yeah. Has Lights Out had a life since quarantine? It will. It will have a life. We're talking with an, a theater in New York about it, about it happening, hopefully, maybe next year, fall. Uh, but I've also taken to writing a film about Nat King Cole. So we'll see where that goes as well. It's still uh, something that is very much on my radar and something that I feel very passionate about. Oh, fantastic. We will look forward to following that. Thank you. You wrote the short film New Moon with your husband, Raul Domingo. I, I sure did. I did. And you know, it's something you said, Lois, how uh, you set up North Star and New Moon. They were actually pandemic projects. It's even just hearing the titles together for the first time I realized how close they are because it is about bringing some light into some dark places. You know, the moment, I think we were at maybe about August 2020, you know, I'm still sitting in my home, you know, I've, I've 
baked all the sourdough bread I could. I've I've gardened. <laughs> I did everything that I could to keep me sane. And I think that Raul and I, we wanted to create something. And we created a few things. And one of them was New Moon. We wanted to take a piece, a little piece of my solo show. And this short story is sort of um, a centerpiece because that's what it's really all about. It's about music and family and transformation and inspiration. And so it's a real story based on me and my mother's relationship and something that uh, a tradition that my mother passed on to me, which was she would hold what she called her pocketbook, her purse out on the new moon night. And uh, there was this one night when Aretha Franklin was playing, I could still visualize this whole evening. And I just saw my mother's thoughts and her uh, mind go elsewhere. So I just, I just looked at the power. I mean, I think she was teaching me about the power of music as well. The power of music, the power of having some tradition and inspiration and something that will help you get outside of, I don't know, your, your circumstances, your trials, your tribulations, sometimes even your own neighborhood and the places that sort of like hem you in. And so I, I thought it was a beautiful idea. It was Raul's idea for us to do it. And so we, we had to, you know, work out how are we going to do this thing? We'd never done animation before. We'd never. And so we started to inquire about it and we enlisted two animators from Lyon, France. We still have never been in the room with these two men. Oh, wow. Yeah, Jeremy Belay and Jeff Lebars. We've did, done all of our work uh, virtually. And one of our collaborators doesn't even speak English. So we had to do that thing. I think we were trying to do that thing that we were asking the world to do which was how do you communicate? How do you create beauty and light when you don't even speak the same language? And so, so much of that went into New Moon, I think. And that's why I think it's uh, resonating with audiences. We've been on the film festival circuit with it and we just became Oscar qualified. So that means that we can apply to hopefully get shortlisted for the Academy Award. Oh, mazel tov on that. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Well, thank you. The film is gorgeous. Oh, and thank I you. Oh, beginning with Earth, Wind, and Fire, continuing with Aretha. How, yes, how right. could you not? How could you not love it? But <laughs> it has a it has a feeling of nostalgia, doesn't it? I think. Well, nostalgia, but also timelessness, because mm. it, it, it's delightful to hear your animators were French and one didn't even speak English. I love the part in the film where you, or shall I say you, or your character? Yeah, you, you, you can say me, you <laughs> okay, can say me. JJ is yes. talking about how his mama loved to make paper dolls and they spoke French to <laughs> each other. Yes. <laughs> My mother had a, she always dreamed of going to France when she was a kid and she would tell me this and I think, me and my mother, we were, my mother's no longer with us. She passed in 2006, but we are so connected because I think that she, she filled me with a lot of, I think of her inspiration as well and her aspirations. And so when I was about, I think about 29, I was actually able to take her to France because I got a, a tour that took me to France for six weeks and I decided to bring her out for her birthday. And she, and I remember we sat in um, the Tuileries gardens and holding hands, she says, I'd never imagined I would be here. But I remember she said, look at us, we're from this very humble place in Philadelphia, and we didn't know that we can actually be in our dreams. So I think that she always inspired me. And so I think there is a connectivity with France and the short piece as well, you know? So it, made, it makes absolutely sense that my animators are French. It's wild. You, ju you just helped me, that dawn on me, that, that we were connected oh. in that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to be of any use in your art whatsoever. Mm. One line in the film, among many, that really resonated with me when she, is when Mama says to JJ, I want you to go to art museums, to concerts, to go to the theater. Mm. And here you are, a major presence in theater hmm. and film. Do you think about how she would respond to so much that you have achieved today? 
Oh, wow, Lois. I, I, I know she would be extremely proud. She was proud of me even before her passing. We, we always shared our dreams together. She inspired the dreamer in me and the person who believed that I could do anything, go anywhere. And like, like in the short, she says about going to the art museums and visiting places she's never even been. As I think about it, I don't think my mother had ever been to an art museum. I think these are things that she thought were out of her resources or things that she just didn't do, but she inspired me to do it. She was like, I want you to do all these things that may be lim limited for me or my experience. But she was a dreamer in those ways. She wanted me to go visit you know, foreign countries and all that stuff. And I've been doing all that. I guess I'd listened to my mother, you know, and I think she, she knew the things, she knew her son and she knew what would make him happy and feel a part of the world. You just, I just pulled a bit of a tear actually. Because yeah, it, you, you got me too. You know, I just uh, had the, this greatest joy of winning an, a, a, an Emmy two weeks ago. Yes, congratulations once more. Thank you so much. And you know, I, I still think that everything that I do is for my mother. I, I think I try to be a good son always, even though she's no longer with me. I try to do the things that I know would make her proud. It just makes me think, like you know, the way I live, the way I have friendships, and the way I am as a man in the world and taking care of others is all a reflection of my mother. I want her to be proud of me, you know. Oh, no doubt, she is. Mm, thank you. If you are just joining us, this is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes, and my guest is the multifaceted artist Coleman Domingo. We are discussing his two new short films, North Star and New Moon, both of which are screening as part of this year's out on film festival in the film what did the new moon promise it promised hope for new money new experiences and new dreams and i remember my mother taught me that we i was like i thought that was very i was very curious about that about the idea of her grabbing her purse and holding it open that showed me that she had faith that there was something magical that was going to happen. It wasn't in and and spiritual. And I remember I told her, I said, well, I don't have a pocketbook. How am I going to get new money, new experiences and new dreams? And she said, well, just hold open your hands. And so I think that's something, maybe there's something in that, that especially creating it in the middle of this pandemic, I wanted to inspire people to hold their hands open, to trust that there's some magic and inspiration and that you're going to be okay to be hopeful, to have something to look forward to, you know? So I think that that's, um, I know that that's something I'm very conscious of in my work and in my art and with my production company, which is um, helping people find some inspiration in some way. Watching New Moon and thinking about it as an animated short made me concerned that mm, some people may not think it has the, the heft, the gravitas of full-length three-and-a-half-hour <laughs> film or thousand-page novel. And Coleman, it reminded me of a pianist I've interviewed, Stephen Huff. At that time, he had just recorded an album of miniatures, you know, some things that a pianist might play as encores. And I said, why do we even consider these miniatures? And he said, I don't know. Is a poem any less profound than a full-length novel? Hmm. And New Moon is as profound as a lengthy motion picture. Wow. Thank you. So there. I, it's funny, I think the more that I create art, and I've been, I've been talking about this for years with people, like even the idea that, I remember when I was talking about an idea for television, 
I was speaking to executives and saying, well, one episode, I don't know, it could be 15 minutes. The other can be a half hour. The other can be an hour if it needs to be. And they were so confused and perplexed about it because they thought, well, it has to fit into a mold. I said, well, some stories just need to be told in 15 minutes or 10. That's what I understand. And I think it's a, you get the full impact. Not every story needs to be, like you're saying, two and a half hours or something. I do believe that, you know, someone asked me recently, well, is the plan of New Moon for you to do all the stories in the short, in the uh, solo show? And I said, no, that was never the intention, actually. The intention was just this, this bite, this small little portion that I felt like had a lot of heft and weight. Mm. I just never thought of it, the whole solo show. I was like, that wasn't the intention. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be, but I feel like I like the idea that you have this little gem that will fit somewhere in your heart and you'll take with you. North Star is the other film in which you star at this festival. Very different from New Moon. We meet the characters of Jimmy, whom you play, his husband, Craig, played by Malcolm Getz, and Craig's sister, Erin. What is Craig's illness? He's suffering from something severe. It looks like he had a tracheotomy. What's the story with Craig? You know what? The, the beautiful thing is the director and writer, P.J. Palmer, he wanted to leave it a bit ambiguous so that people can apply what they think it is. It could be cancer, it could be, it could be Parkinson's, it could be whatever it is that's, it, it, can, it can be uh, complications of HIV, you never know. But I think he wanted to leave it in the audience's hands on what it was he was dying of. But he also said that it wasn't as important as the part of care and the caregiver and the the loving relationship. And one, and one of the scenes that I love the most actually, which is I think what drew me to the film which was the scene where Jimmy strips down naked after waking his husband up, after his husband has, you know, through the evening may have soiled himself, et cetera. And he lovingly takes off the the diaper and all that. He picks him up body to body and puts him in the tub and bathes him. I thought that that was something I'd never seen in film and with any couple. And to look at that level of love and intimacy. And only people who may have been caregivers or when you love someone, you're like, I'm not afraid. You're not afraid to touch them or be with them because they're part of you. I thought that that was tremendous. I thought it was the most beautiful act of love that I'd ever read. And I wanted to be a part of that expression in cinema. It's beautiful. And Coleman, it took me back to... Barry Jenkins, director who clearly admires your art a great deal. And when Barry was here for Moonlight, he said something he really wanted to depict was a black man cooking dinner. Mm. He said, have you ever seen a movie with a black man just <laughs> cooking dinner. On, right. And I thought, yeah. had not stopped to think about that. But this part of everyday life, the quotidian, I agree. is part of what it takes to also convey our common humanity. Not only heroism, overcoming sorrow or tragedy in North Star. Yes, caring for the person you love most who can no longer care for himself. It took me back to that, and I thought how far we have come. How far we haven't come, though, is the character of Aaron mm-hmm. in New Moon. And she, she serves such a great function of someone who's sort of stuck She's very much, quote unquote, a Karen in our society. She's very, she's, she's, she's very, very, she's uber Christian. She's very rigid about what she believes in, but she's also being challenged by love that she loves her brother she does. and she doesn't understand. And she, she loves, and I think, so she's not villainized. You start to understand her perspective and she's, she's trying to hold on to something 
you know, I feel like a lot of a lot of people who are very much, you know, very conservative in that way, they're trying to hold on some to something that helps them survive, helps them operate. But then they're challenged by the world in these personal relationships to change and say, it doesn't all have to be one way. Perhaps, you know, when you love and you understand and recognize that love, it's okay. Lean into that, you know, so I think, and that's the human part. So I think that that's such a beautiful part of the film that no one's really villainized and that we do see my character, Jimmy. What I love about the character is that he's a rancher. He's very sort of hyper-masculine in those terms. And he he's very much an American man. I remember at one, one point, I literally stand in front of the American flag that he has outside of his home. And yet he's in a same-sex relationship. So I think it will also challenge these, a lot of people who may think that they have nothing in common, but they have everything in common with Jimmy. Jimmy also served his country as a Marine, that he wants what everyone else wants. And he's very much an American and all that. So it's like, so you have to shift your perception on what you may have of tropes of gay people, of, of people who you think that they don't believe in what you believe, but you see that you're much more alike than unalike. Indeed. If you are just tuning in, this is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes speaking with the actor, writer, and director Coleman Domingo. He's the recipient of this year's Out on Film Icon Award and has two short films screening during the festival, North Star and New Moon. I have to say... There was one point at which I was able to smile through crying throughout North Star, and that was when I realized on the television set some televangelists. Some religious show. <laughs> he is risen, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's called He is Risen or something like that. Kevin Bacon is the preacher. <laughs> yes, he is. So there's zero degrees of Kevin Bacon between me and him, just so you know. <laughs> well, it, it, it was so funny because I thought, oh, wait, that is very much out of character for how yeah. we might think of Kevin Bacon. So the ending is gorgeous. The very last line sums up the beauty of the film. And I think, again, it's longer than New Moon, but in 30 minutes, it packs the punch of any full-length film. So now, you are officially an icon. Out on Film is awarding you the Icon Prize at this year's festival. I'm thinking you occupy so many artistic roles actor, playwright, writer, film director, theater director, singer, dancer. Does any one of those roles dominate the others? Hmm. Because as an icon, it's not easy to narrow down in which of those categories one thinks of you most often. I, I think people naturally think of me most often as an actor because that that sort of makes the most noise but then there are many pockets who know me as a writer and then I think the thing that people are starting to take notice of even more so is the work that I do as a producer and a director I, I taught a class last a master class last weekend at USC where I'm a professor and um, I talked about being a multi-hyphenate and I think that that's where I know for sure that I guess as this icon that I have become, it's because I've known, I'm known to sort of blur the edges on what it means to be an artist, where I play in so many different spaces. And I think that's what people are knowing me for. They know that I do it all. And it's kind of unique in a, an extraordinary way. But even also not so unique. I know that people, the men that I admire and women that I admire have been able to do it all, but other things are noisier, like Sidney Poitier was a 
extraordinary director and a producer as well, and Heller Belafonte Jr. as well. So I think I'm following in these uh, these great footsteps in many ways to be a polymath, a multi-hyphenate. So I like that. I like that people know me from very different platforms, and they're now they're now wrapping it up into one icon award, which is great. <laughs> You are in esteemed company. So I read you were cast as Mister in the new musical adaptation of The Color Purple. Yes, yes. It's <laughs> being produced by no less than Steven Spielberg, Oprah Winfrey, and Quincy Jones. Yeah. Expected to hit the big screen in 2023. How did it feel to step into Danny Glover's shoe? Oh, they're they're great shoes, and I think that um, and it felt amazing. I, I wanted to make sure that um, I sort of cared for the role, and made sure it lived in me in a very unique way. I think that, you know, we shot in Atlanta in the Atlanta area also for like six months. We just wrapped a few months ago, and you know, out there in Whitesburg and all these different towns and all, and it was really. Tremendous. I think that we wanted to make sure, especially with this retelling and this musical adaptation, it really goes into the imagination of Celie, played by Fantasia Barino, you know, because her imagination is what helped her overcome her trauma, whether physical and mental, that, you know, showing the power of imagination. So we created that. And we also wanted to make sure that my character of Mista wasn't just a villain. We wanted to really reinvestigate this role and see how broken he was to understand and possibly even have empathy for the abuser in some way, to understand, to understand that hurt people hurt people. And so once we understand that, we could also have redemption. We could have accountability and also redemption because that's what happens in the film. Uh, Seeley invites, you know, in, in the book, invites Mr. to come to Easter dinner. How does that happen? There had to have been some work done. She's so she's not foolish. So we had to really examine that. And um, I think that we um, we really, really took great pains to make sure that was clear and, and loving. And I feel very proud of the, the work we did. I can't wait to see it. Something else I think everyone will appreciate seeing is Rustin. Yeah. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I sure can. It's produced by none other than Barack Obama and Michelle Obama in Higher Ground, their production company uh, with Netflix. And I play Bayard Rustin. And Bayard Rustin, for our audience members who may not know, he actually organized the March on Washington for Dr. King. And he actually inspired Dr. King on a lot of his practices and principles of nonviolence, teachings of Gandhi. He was a great friend and mentor to Martin Luther King, but he also was openly gay. And I think that was many of the reasons why he has sort of been, he'd been sort of scrubbed from the history books because it, it for the time, they didn't think it was, um, it was helpful for the movement. Yet, as we all know, <laughs> LGBTQIA+, have always been there and always been a part of everything. And so this starts to shine a light on Bayard Rustin and give him his story and his place in history. And I, I feel very blessed. It's directed by George C. Wolfe, who directed me in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes. I have some beautiful co-stars like Audra McDonald and Glenn Turman and Michael Potts and Chris Rock. It's a beautiful cast. And again, I'm very proud of what we've we've done. And that comes out next year as well. So important to restore this man's place in history. Yeah. Am I correct? Is he credited with, if not writing, then helping to craft the I Have a Dream speech? I wonder. I, I don't know. But I do know that the I Have a Dream speech was being crafted many times before it arrived and became the thing that it became at the March on Washington. You know, that, that's, that's something that I know that Martin Luther King, he gave versions of it 
in many ways. It's a really funny story is that some people were like, oh, he's about to do that speech. I heard it in Detroit and they fell asleep. So they missed when he decided to go off script and it became the speech of a lifetime, you know, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. So I, I know as a, as a friend and advisor, I'm sure he had some influence. I'm not sure if he completely wrote it, but I'm sure he had some influence. Common, did you get to meet the Obamas? I did. I, I've met them a few times, actually. We actually, oh. we, 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 they're, they're, they're kind of like superheroes when you meet them. They're very, Duh. right? They're, they're, they're charismatic and beautiful and kind and warm. And they always make you feel like you're the only person in the room. We actually had a Zoom with the entire cast a few months ago. And it's still a trip when you hear Barack Obama say your name. Well, uh, Coleman, oh, I can't wait to get out there and do publicity with you. You know, you're like, oh, my God. Well, OK, great. That sounds good to me. I, I, why not? <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Well, again, congratulations on your Icon Award on yet these many more achievements and if I may close by quoting your mama's beautiful words. Hold tight and hold open your hands. Thank you. Emmy Award-winning actor, writer, and director Coleman Domingo. His new short films, New Moon and North Star, are screening as part of the Out on Film Festival. And... He's being honored with this year's Icon Award. You can catch New Moon tomorrow, September 29th, at Landmark Theater. And North Star is screening on October 2nd at Outfront Theater. More information is on our website, wabe.org slash citylife. In a moment, Mike Mills of REM fame and renowned violinist Robert McDuffie tell us about their collaboration and desire to expand upon classical music. Amplifying Atlanta, this is WABE. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Wrights. It's great to have you along. This Friday and Saturday, October 1st and 2nd, the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra is hosting the world premiere of REM Explored. The symphonic event includes Mike Mills performing his Concerto for Violin Rock Band and Orchestra with the internationally acclaimed violinist Robert McDuffie. When I spoke with both artists earlier this year, Bobby McDuffie first explained why he wanted to collaborate with Mike Mills. It helps me connect to a different culture, and we need to stay curious and and I certainly have learned so much from Mike and his his musicianship and his work ethic and and his fans. I think I had to have a glass of wine before I got the nerve up to ask him to do this. But I've you know I've been playing a lot of the standard. I call them the dead white European male composers. I still love those guys 
and I, I, I've worked with, as you know, Lois, with a lot of living American composers, especially Philip Glass, who had written his second concerto for me. And I wanted to play another premiere of a great American composer. And so I went to Mike and just threw out this idea of, of a concerto for violin and, and rock band. And he didn't turn me away and told me in the dinner that he was already thinking of some tunes. And I don't know, I just think if we stay stuck, we being classical musicians, it's, we're, gonna, we're not going to be relevant for much longer. So I just think we do need to connect with a wider culture and do it because we love it, not because we have to. I also think as far as listeners and concert attendants and Mike, I hope you feel free to chime in here. I think when radio started formatting more narrowly, that that didn't help the cross-pollination of music because I think people used to listen to radio stations, which... It had a, a more relaxed approach to programming. And then I think starting in the late 80s and 90s, you had a country station, you had a funk station. It, everything was segregated. Do you think that those categories have hurt? You know, Lois, I have long been on record as saying that, that formatting was one of the worst things to ever happen to certainly to radio, but to music in general. Uh, unfortunately, it was a guy from Atlanta who came up with that brilliant idea and, and got rich off of teaching radio stations that if they played Stairway to Heaven once an hour, they could, they could attract and keep one certain kind of listener. Unfortunately, that marginalizes people who don't want to hear that and might want to hear something else. Uh, there's a whole thing going on now as, as well with a lot of the streaming services where if you, you click like this song and their algorithms will generate more of that type of song for you to listen to, which even further limits any curious exploration you may want to do. So that plays into part of what, what I thought about this was on a personal level, when Bobby asked me to write the concerto, I thought, okay, well, that that is certainly a challenge as a way to to do something after REM's disbandment that would certainly stretch any capabilities I may have had. But on a more macro level, both Bobby and I agree that, that while we are fans of classical music, it needs to bust out of some of the restrictions that it's had low these many years. So uh, it was a personal challenge to see if we could, could, could come up with something that would draw fans of, of both genres or any genre and maybe show people that classical music doesn't have to be terrifying. It has a lot more in common with the music that you may like than you think. When we last spoke, you talked about being a melody guy. How did that inform your approach to writing this concerto? I am that, and it, it really is, it is sort of my raison d'etre musically. I, I love coming up with melodies. I, I simply create the chords so that I can put melodies on them. And that may seem you know, obvious, but, but it, not everyone looks at melody in quite so important a way as I do. And so, you know, in doing these, in doing the concerto itself, I just really tried to create a bed that would be interesting on its own, if possible. But then to really add the, the kicker would be whatever melodies I could put over it. And with the help of uh, David Malamud, our, our wonderful arranger, I was just free to add as many melodies as I could think of. You know, and, and I just really enjoy that. I, I find it, it's seldom that a song has too many melodies for me. You know, with, with the full string section, you're just able to put melodies and move them around from place to place and alter them slightly and still have them be interesting. And, and uh, that was part of the fun and the challenge of this for me. 
The third movement of this concerto has sentimental meaning for Mike. Would you talk about this section, which is titled Sunny Side Up? Well, my, my son Julian was visiting me while I was working on the concerto, and I was showing him some, some things I'd been thinking about and working on. And while I was sitting in, in my music room with him, I came up uh, with those chords. And now, they are not the most startlingly original chords in the world, but what you do on top of them is what makes it special. And I was just inspired by him being there. So, you know, it, it's an odd little title, granted, but it, it does express the fact that my son was there and he was an inspiration for me, and, and I just wanted to include him in this in some way. I'm curious about your creative process as a composer here. Thinking of Bobby's playing, what comes to mind for me immediately is the warmth of his tone, as well as his technical precision. With this concerto, how did you write for Bobby's style in particular? Was he in your head? Well, he, he was definitely in my head at certain difficult moments in the composition. I was I had some very choice things to say about him, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd never written for violin specifically before. I did a little bit of research into it, but on the other hand, I figured a melody is a melody and David Malamud will help me if I wander too far afield. So he, he really helped me with, with some direction and ideas about what to do. And But the, my favorite quote from from David was as we were working on some of these uh, arrangements, you know, there's some very challenging passages for Bobby on the violin. And David said, I said, David, that seems really hard. He goes, we have to take advantage of Bobby's virtuosity. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so I said, well, good, make it harder. So uh, <laughs> Bobby, listening back to the concerto, I was struck by something I don't think I noticed as much the first time. You're playing just ever so subtly suggests fiddling in the Appalachian, which essentially is Scottish and Irish style fiddling. Is that intentional? A little bit, especially in Mike's second movement. We're, we're hearkening back to the, you know, okie finokie. I love Mark O'Connor's playing. Uh, his, his playing's in my inner ear. Uh, I played a lot with Edgar Meyer, the great double bassist who is um, also beloved by bluegrass aficionados. I'm not, I'm certainly not gonna say I'm anything like that, but that is, that, that music is in me and uh, that style is there. So I think there are some really juicy parts of the concerto where I can do that. Grammy-nominated violinist Robert McDuffie and Mike Mills from our conversation earlier this year. They are performing Mills' Concerto for Violin Rock Band and Orchestra, along with the world premiere of R.E.M. Explored with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra this Friday and Saturday, October 1st, and second. More information is available at 
ASO.org. Coming up, our series of local musicians in their own words, speaking of music. Today, featuring Kyle Gordon of Mama Bear. Amplifying Atlanta, this is 90.1 WABE. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for joining me. It's time now for our segment, Speaking of Music, where we get to hear from Atlanta musicians in their own words. Hi, my name is Kyle Gordon. My musical project is Mama Bear. I'm out of Atlanta, Georgia. Mama Bear is kind of like a rock and roll slash folk, punk, R&B, funk thing. And uh, for the records, I'll play the drums, guitars, I do the bass and sing. And when playing live with the project, I tend to just play guitar and, and sing. We stayed, we stayed And after everyone had gone She says, she says I never needed anyone Growing up, my mom would always have music playing in the house, so it was something constant in my day-to-day life. And a good friend of mine later on had an older brother that would play in a band and we would go watch and we'd crowd the doorway. And it was so inspiring to see these guys just create music. Uh, another friend of mine had a guitar and he lived down the street and any chance I could, I would go down and watch him play it or try to get my hands on it and play it. So I was fortunate enough to be given a guitar on my 13th birthday. And that was the beginning of me trying to figure out how to write songs. We prayed, living for the setting sun. Snow day, snow day. I never thought you'd be the one. Don't misunderstand me. I'd take you back if I could. My favorite places to see bands play with normally small, medium-sized clubs. There's a um, gritty realness to that scene, um, seeing bands play in, in those conditions that they're, they're really working hard to make their bread. And when you see people put in everything they got into their craft, it's, it's inspiring. So I like uh, the Earl, I like the 529, and I like Bog Social Club. is a song about uncertainty. I wrote it the day I got back from a canceled tour in March of 2020. It's a song about being concerned about the world and hoping for something better and just holding on in the meantime. Our hopes and dreams live far away I hide it all like a mask on our face I free the world and keep going I didn't choose Atlanta necessarily. My mother moved herself and I from Texas to Atlanta when I was four. So I was raised here. Along the way, I've met many, many musicians in this town, uh, some from Atlanta, some coming from other places. And there's something about this town that draws really talented people to it. Oh, I'm always so proud of this town because it's, it's unique, it's special, 
and it doesn't even take itself too seriously. So good on you, Atlanta. Mama Bear and another band that I'm really good friends with, Gas Hound, we're going to go to England in October, and we've got uh, a 12-day tour booked, and we'll be recording at Abbey Road Studios for two days at the end of that tour to capture some of the songs that we, that we, record, that we did live over there in England. So if you're over there in October, look us up. Thank you so much. Enjoy the music, and have a great day. of Mama Bear and our series speaking of music. More information about Gordon's work is on our website, wabe.org. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., Camille Russell Love of the Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs and poet Opal Moore tell us about this year's Elevate Free Public Arts Festival. If you missed part of today's show, you can catch up on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. There you'll find our complete archive of interviews, so you can listen to City Lights on your schedule. City Lights senior producer is Kim Troves. Summer Evans is our producer, and our engineer is Shelley Canavy. I'm your host, Lois Reitzes, and we want you to connect with City Lights on social media. We're at WABE City Lights on Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Thanks for listening to WABE Atlanta. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.